0: I want us to continue our study in the gospel of Mark, and uh, I want us to look at a story, the next story. It's in Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. I was sharing this with Mike this last week in Bulgaria, and he said, I have never, ever heard a sermon preached on this passage of Scripture. So he said he's looking forward to it. He said he'll be listening to it on our podcast. By the way, Tracy was sharing with me this morning that our podcasts uh, has been listened to all around the world, actually. In fact, we've had 35 people in Tokyo who have listened to the podcast. That's amazing, isn't it? And then, uh, as a matter of fact, more people listen to it in Tokyo than did in Dallas. And But but we've had some in Asia and some in uh, other countries and then several uh, other states. And so it's kind of exciting. huh? That's right. They want to hear this uh they think it's Gomer Powell uh, preaching, uh, <clears throat> but that's all right. I don't mind. If, uh, if li- people listen to the Word, that's the main thing. I preached at a church up in uh, the Chicago area one Sunday morning. We had a pretty good crowd that morning, and uh, they announced I was going to be preaching again that night. And that night, it was absolutely packed out, standing room only. I'm telling you. And I thought, wow, they must have loved my sermon this morning. <laughs> and then I found out what happened. Everybody went home and said, you got to come to church now and hear this hillbilly. I mean, it is a, you won't believe how he talks. And so I said, well, I don't care. Just so we, people come, they hear the word. I don't care why, just so they get to hear the word. But this is an interesting story in, in Mark chapter uh, Jesus has been uh, teaching and preaching, and we've already looked at everything up until this particular time, and so he leaves uh, the area of Tyre and Sidon where he was last week, or week before last we were there. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. So if we had a map up there, we could actually show you exactly how he traveled, but it doesn't really matter. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. So they bring to Jesus a man who is totally deaf. He's never been able to hear, and because he can't hear, he actually is not able to speak clearly. He has There's nothing wrong with his voice. He can speak, but uh, because he'd never been able to hear, and many of you have heard somebody uh, who is deaf, and they're not mute, but they're able to, uh, uh, they try to speak, but their words are not clear. So all of you, some of you nodding your head, you know what I'm talking about. Well, that's the way this man was. And so Jesus took this man aside from the multitude, got him alone private, and he put his fingers in the man's ears, and then he spat... And then he touched his tongue. So we get a picture here that Jesus is kind of enacting. He knows he's letting the man know. I understand what the problem is. And he puts his fingers in the man's ears. And then he spits. And I don't know if it means he spat on his finger and touched the tongue with the spittle. I don't know. It doesn't make it clear there. Uh, but he did spit. And then he touched me And then looking up. To heaven, Jesus sighed, and then he spoke to the man, which is an Aramaic word for be opened, be opened. And uh, immediately, his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed. That is, all of a sudden, not only could he hear, but now there was a miracle in the fact that his speaking was no longer impeded as it had been, and he spoke plainly. So it's a double miracle here because not only can the man hear for the first time, but he can speak clearly. And then he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And... uh And then they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. So that's the story. It's interesting, uh, uh, John MacArthur said this is a story about a man who couldn't hear, uh, a man who couldn't speak, And Jesus commanded him to speak. And then Jesus commanded him not to speak, (laughs) and he couldn't help but speak. So I don't know. It's an interesting story there because Jesus said, Don't go and tell people what I've done for you. Don't, don't, don't. Because we've already seen that Jesus is not wanting people to be drawn to him just for the miraculous he wants people to be drawn to him because of the truth that he's teaching. And, of course, uh, I guarantee you if we had a two buildings set up here today and in one building there was a, a miracle worker and in another building there was a great Bible expositor and we sent the word out and we got the word out, which, which uh, building would be the most full, do you think? Yeah, it would be the one... Where the miracle worker was and uh, so Jesus is saying look don't 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 go tell everybody what I've done but the man did tell and all the other people that were with him told in uh, in the Bible Jesus performed many kinds of miracles and those miracles actually happened I mean they really really happened so these are not just stories these are events that actually happened And every miracle that Jesus did uh, was for two reasons. One, it was to authenticate his claims as the Son of God. It was to authenticate his claims as the one that God had sent to be the Savior of the world. And that's the purpose of miracles in the Bible, by the way. A miracle was never just for the purpose of the miracle. The miracle always was a way of authorizing or authenticating the fact that the person that did the miracle was truly from God. We see three periods of miracles in the Bible. One is back in the time of Moses and Aaron when they go and confront Pharaoh and And God said to Moses, when Moses said, well, how will the people know and how will Pharaoh know that I'm really speaking for you? And God said, well, I'll take care of that. I'm going to perform some miracles by your hand, and that will authenticate that you're my representative. And so that's what happened. The second period of miracles in the Bible is the time of Elijah and Elisha same thing is true. The nation of Israel had gotten into such a, a sinful state and you had corrupt leaders and you had a terrible, terrible situation and God sent Elijah and later Elisha and said, You are to speak for me. And Elijah said, Well, how will, how will the people know that I am truly your representative? And God said, I'll take care of that. And he did many, many miracles, seven that Elijah did, 14 that Elisha did, and uh, and it was God's way of saying, this is proof that I have sent you. Amen. And then the third period of miracles is the time of Jesus and his disciples. And again, the same thing is true. Miracles, in the Bible, miracles was never to be the distinguishing mark of the Christian church Amen. and of worship. I, I want you to know a lot of times, and, and this probably somebody will take this wrong. I don't, I hope, I don't have time to try to clear it all up. i says sometimes you see signs where uh, somebody's having a service and they'll say miracles performed nightly or miracles performed nightly in every service and things like that. And it's almost like the the whole purpose of the of the Christian faith is to see healings and to see miracles take place. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. I believe God does still heal people. I believe that God still works in marvelous, mysterious and wonderful ways. But that is not the main purpose and when Jesus sent his disciples out, he said that you're to go and make disciples. You're to go and preach the gospel. You're to go and tell all people of the salvation that is available through my death, burial, and resurrection. But uh, in some parts of the world today where God is doubted, And where a representative of God needs to be authenticated, needs to be verified as truly a man from God, I believe that God will still perform authenticating miracles today. And you say, well, well, why don't we see it more in America? Well, maybe the two reasons. One we may not have as much faith or the kind of faith that they have in other parts of the world but the second thing is that the gospel and God's men have already been authenticated in America by the message that they preach. So, uh, if we were in a small class I'd ask do you have any questions and there'd probably be about five or six that would have questions right now but what here's what I want you to see is that when Jesus performed miracles, they were somewhat temporary because this man and, and Lazarus and everybody else that Jesus performed a miracle on eventually died. So it wasn't like he gave them life that was going to last forever, but when he saves somebody today, he gives them eternal life. And even though they may physically die, they will never die spiritually because they have received eternal life, which is an even greater miracle than than a physical miracle. But every miracle that Jesus did had a spiritual message as well as a physical healing. When Jesus raised people from the dead, like Lazarus and like the widow of Nain's son and others, when he raised somebody from the dead, it was to show that he has authority and power to overcome not just physical death, but spiritual death. And every salvation is a miracle of resurrection. Did you know that when you were, before you were saved, God saw you as dead in trespasses and sin. And when the word was preached to you and the spirit of God enlivened you He raised you from death to life. And that's what salvation is. And so every time Jesus raised somebody from the dead, it was not just to raise somebody from the dead, but it was to say he has the authority to raise you from spiritual death to spiritual life. Every time Jesus healed a leper, it was not just to heal a leper. It was to show that he, as the Son of God, has authority to cleanse sin because in the Bible, leprosy is a type and symbol of sin. Every time he opened a blind person's eyes, it was not just to open a blind person's eyes, but it was to say, here is one who has the authority and power to give you spiritual vision to enable you to see spiritually and that's true with all the miracles that jesus performed and in this miracle when jesus opens the ears of a deaf man what do you think he's trying to say to you and to me today i think he's trying to say to us one of the greatest problems that we have is not being able to hear not to hear what God is saying. There are several times in the Bible where the Bible will say, let him that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. And the Bible warns, for instance, in Hebrews 5, 11, he says, we have much to say to you, and it's hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. There's something. He said, I, I want to tell you so much. But I can't explain it to you because your your hearing is impaired. We're told in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes from hearing. From hearing, and hearing comes through the word of God. And uh, Mark eight eighteen, which we'll get to a little later, he said, Having eyes do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear and do you not remember? He's speaking to his disciples there. He said, you've got eyes, but you're not, you don't see. And you've got ears, but you don't hear. And then in Acts chapter 28, verses 26 and 27, this is a quote from the Old Testament. But he says, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. And then one other passage over in James chapter 1, James writing to the uh, believers in his day, he said, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, therefore put away all filthiness, and the Greek word here for filthiness is the word earwax. It's the word that means the 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 filthy stuff that you get out of your ear when you take a Q-tip and do like that. Then you look at it and you throw up. You know, you think, I can't believe that was in my ear, you know. But he says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So, so here's my message today. God wants us to be able to hear. He wants us to hear. How do we hear God? How do we hear? Well, let me say that the first way we hear is by the written word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And I believe that that is one of the great reasons that uh, the enemy of our soul does everything in his power to keep us away from the Bible. He does not want us to read the Bible. You know, I have, in reading through the Bible... Uh, I know there are a lot of passages in there that are really hard to understand. And I have people say to me, uh, I say well, I, I read the Bible, but I don't understand it. Well, I say, well, don't read those parts that you don't understand. Don't focus on those parts you don't understand. Just read those and say, well, I don't understand that. Then get on to the part that you do understand. Most of the Bible is very understandable. I mean, if I say to a man, well, look, The Bible says, Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What do you think that means? And the guy said, Well, I I guess it means that I'm supposed to love my wife like Jesus loved the church and sacrificed himself for her. I say, Bingo. That wasn't hard, was it? That was pretty understandable, wasn't it? When the Bible says, Children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. What do you think that means, boys and girls? What does that mean it says, Children, obey your parents? What do you think that means, Cookie? What, what do you think? It means, Children, do what? Obey. Yeah, that's not hard, is it? Austin, what does that mean? Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. What do you think that means? Huh? All right. Okay. So, it's not hard to understand, is it? That's pretty clear. And most of the Bible really is clear. Now, I know you get into some of those genealogies, and I was just reading in Nehemiah this uh, yesterday, and it gives, looks like a Hebrew phone book, you know, just name after name, a high tub, and all this kind of stuff, and you think, good gracious. Well, you may not get a lot of spiritual edification out of that. But actually, I did. I actually got some, but I'll explain that to you another time. But just uh, but go ahead and read it and say, Well, I, I don't get a lot out of that necessarily. But then get on to the next chapter. And as you keep reading, the Spirit of God speaks to you through the Word of God. And so you need to have your ears cleaned out, get the wax out of them, read the Word. And, and then another way that God speaks to us is by His Holy Spirit. Now, we have to be a little bit more careful here because every once in a while I have people come to me and say, well, the Lord spoke to me and told me this and that. Well, you do have to be careful there. Why? Why? Because you don't really know whether the Lord spoke to that person or not. I had a lady came to me years ago when I was just, I hadn't been pastoring at Ovila but just a year or two. And this woman came to me and said, uh, Pastor, God told me to come and tell you that you need to resign. And that you actually need to move to Israel. <laughs> I mean, you know, not just get out of town, get out of the country. And that you need to preach to the Jewish people in Israel. And God told me that he's going to use you to bring a great revival in Israel. And I said, well, that's wonderful. I wonder why God didn't tell me that. I mean, why would God tell you what he wanted me to do, especially involving resigning, (laughs) and getting out of town and getting out of the country and going somewhere else to preach when I can preach right here. And so uh, she said, well, I'm just telling you, if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. And so I said, well, thank you very much. And she left. Now, by the way, I've had that kind of thing happen. We have a good friend of ours back in Tennessee who said to this girl, God told me to tell you that you're supposed to marry me. And the girl said, well, I, but I don't even like you. I don't love you. I don't, you know. He said, yeah, but if you don't marry me, you'll be disobeying God. And she was crazy enough to do it. She went ahead and married the jerk. And uh, and he really was a jerk, wasn't he? Yeah, my wife knows him. And uh, and she was miserable. And it was a horrible marriage. In fact, it, it ended in divorce, didn't it? I mean, or... He died, yeah, that's right. She might have killed him. I don't know, but uh <laughs> she probably said, "The Lord told me." <clears throat> yeah, he did die, that's right. But I, I just think, hey, don't fall for that kind of stuff, and just because somebody tells you that that, well, God told me this or that, now that's the danger side of it, but here's another danger side of it for us not to listen to the prompting. Of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to our heart and spirit telling us to do things that are consistent with and verified by the Scripture and so uh, there have certainly been times in my life where I sense the Spirit of God telling me to do something and it didn't always seem to make sense and I know uh, preachers have some preacher stories, and I 'm about to tell you one, but uh, this actually happened. Uh, I was in my office when I was pastoring in Mississippi, and I just sensed very deeply the spirit of God telling me to go get in my car and to to go and I went and got in my car started driving, and I got to a particular road called nail Road actually, and told me just turn left here on nail Road now I wish I could say this kind of stuff happens to me a lot. This is one of the few times it's ever happened. But I drove down this road, and I got to a a driveway, pulled into this driveway, sensing this was where I was supposed to go. There was a mobile home there. And I went up and knocked on the door. Nobody came to the door, so I thought, well, I guess that was just Maybe what I ate or something like that. Maybe I'm just having indigestion, but it seemed like And I turned to go away, and as I got almost to my car, the door opened, and this woman said, uh, Did you come to tell me about God? And I said, Well, yes, ma'am. I guess I did. And she said, Well, please come in. She said, I was on my knees in here praying about 30 minutes ago, And I said, God, if you're real, please send somebody to talk to me about you. Well, that's pretty amazing. I wish I could say that's the way I live my life day to day. I wish I could say, man, every morning I get up and say, God, what do you want me to do today? But but that and a, a few other times where I've sensed God prompting me in a very, very specific way to do very specific things. And uh, so I believe God will speak to us if we listen, if we're hearing him. And that's what this whole passage said to me this week is that God wants to open our ears so we can hear from the word and hear from the spirit. And uh, when we're hearing from the word, that is objective, absolutely clear. When I'm hearing from the Spirit, it's a little more subjective and I have to run it through the grid of the Word. Am I sure? I mean, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, well, God told me to uh, uh, divorce my wife and marry my secretary, I'm going to say, no, that wasn't God. That you've totally missed that. Or if somebody says, God told me to do something that is that violates Scripture in any other way, say, you've, you've misunderstood. That's not God. So when, when I get a prompting from the Spirit, I always want to ask, is this something that will glorify God, be consistent with Scripture, be a blessing to somebody else? And if so, then I can act on it. So, And by the way, one other way I believe that God wants us to hear is from wise counsel from godly people. When I'm trying to decide, when I I can't quite know, should I do this or that, and there's no clear scripture, then I have some people that I so respect their sensitivity to God that I'll say here's my situation what what counsel would you give and uh, if I get confirming counsel that certainly helps too okay so those are three ways just reading the word hearing the spirit prompt me in my spirit and then the wise counsel of godly friends now Let's close this message by asking what are the hindrances to us hearing? What is the earwax in our ears? What keeps us from hearing from God? And one thing is we're just not listening. We just don't listen. We're not even expecting God to speak. We don't read the Scripture asking the question, God, what are you saying to me? We're just not listening. There have been times when I was a little boy, my mother would be talking to me and she'd be telling me something. I just wouldn't be listening. And then she'd say, did you hear me? And I had to honestly say, what? No, I didn't hear you. Sometimes that even happens with my wife, doesn't it, hon? <laughs> she'll tell me, tell me something and I'm kind of sitting over there zoning out and she'll say, huh, did you hear what I said? I say, what, did you say something? <laughs> so sometimes we're just not listening. Other times it's because we just have so many distractions. Have you ever been in a, uh, uh, I was at a, a wedding the other night. In fact, Chris did the wedding. Uh, I was at a table, a whole bunch of people, and somebody was talking to me, but there were about 1,400 other people it seemed like talking to and And I'm trying to listen, but there's so much noise, so many distractions, and I just think I'd cut my hand behind my ear and lean in and finally be able to hear what was being said. And I thought, you know, that's the way it is sometimes with God speaking to me. There's so much noise. There's just so many distractions. And the Bible tells me that I need to incline my ear to the Lord. That word incline means to lean in and listen attentively. Cup your ear. Lean in and cup your ear. And so uh, I have to be careful because there can be so much noise, so many other voices that I, I don't hear what God's saying. One of the games we played with a group of young people one time, we blindfolded a person and we had some barriers in the floor and we said, now, we want you to listen to my voice and I'm going to tell you, you know, take one step forward, then move one step to the left, and and I'm just going to guide you through these barriers. In fact, I think we had eggs. They were... There were eggs laying on the floor, and uh, we said, uh, "Just you, just listen to me." And they sa- I said, "Okay." So he's blindfolded, and so we start off, and I'm I'm talking. But then we had other people who started talking too. We had other people who began to say, "No, no, step back, step back, go to the left, go to the left, to step to the right, step forward," and all these different voices. And I said, "No, don't listen to th- you. Listen." Only to my voice. And uh, it was kind of interesting to see how that progressed. Some of the people would end up actually not listening to my voice. And they would hear other voices and obey that. They'd step on an egg or something like that. And I actually think we picked up all the eggs, didn't we? I, I can't remember exactly, but I think we put crackers down and they thought they were stepping on an egg, you know, anyway. Uh, But uh, God wants us to listen attentively to his voice. And uh, and so one other reason that we may not hear is because we just don't want to hear. Maybe I'm wanting to do something, and I just don't want to hear God's voice because I know he's going to tell me, to go a direction that I've chosen to go in another direction. So there are a lot of reasons. You could probably give a lot of other hindrances. But uh, John Piper, one of my favorite preachers, said one of the things that he uses to help him when he reads the Scripture to hear from God, he uses what he calls IOUs. I-O-U-S and here's what he means by that number one Psalm 78 1 I, I mean uh, Psalm one hundred nineteen thirty-six. incline that's the I incline my heart incline my heart Psalm 119 verse 36 incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness not to selfishness, not to do things my own way, not to seek after the things of the world. And again, the word incline means to cup your ear and lean in. So he said, that's the first thing. When I read the scripture, I pray, God, incline my heart to you, draw me to you, cup my ear, and let me lean in. And then the O is Psalm 119, verse 18 open. My eyes and my ears. Open my ears. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. And you could also include open my ears. Lord, let me hear you. Let me see. Let me hear. And then the U is Psalm 8611, and it stands for unite. Unite my heart, Psalm 86, 11. Unite my heart to fear your name. That word unite means to pull it together. Let me turn away from all the sounds, all the noise, all the other voices. Unite my heart to fear your name. And then the last one, the the S, is satisfy me with your steadfast love. Psalm ninety. Verse 14, Psalm 90, verse 14, which says, Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. So those are some good IOUs for us to put into practice in our life, to incline our ear to the Lord, incline our heart to him. Open, pray, God, open my ears, open my eyes that I may see. And then unite my heart, make my heart uh, focused. And then, God, I pray to receive something from you that satisfies my soul and causes me to rejoice. So as we close this morning, I just wonder if you'd pray as I've prayed this week. God, I want to hear from you. Help me, help me listen. Open my ears that I may listen and incline my heart to you. Let me cup my ear spiritually and say, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. The prayer that Samuel prayed whenever he thought Eli was speaking to him and Eli wisely said, you know, if you hear that again, say, "Speak, speak, Lord, Amen. your servants listen." Let's pray, Heavenly Father. I I know that your longing is to lead your children. Lord, you want to lead us, just like we want to lead our children. We want to protect them from danger. We want to lead them in the paths of righteousness. We want to uh, we want to guide them and. And I know that if we have that longing as human parents, how much more is our Heavenly Father you want to lead us. And I pray that you'll help us to be attentive. I know that uh, there have been times as a child and times with my children that they, they lacked attentiveness and that I lacked attentiveness. And almost always it resulted in uh, difficulty or danger. And I just pray that you will help us to incline our ears to hear you. Touch our ears, Father, even as you touch the ear of this deaf man in the in the New Testament. And cleanse our ears. Clean them out so that we can hear and then speak plainly. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.